Welcome to the Marriage Adventure Podcast, where the journey is the destination. It's the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Well, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening today. We're your hosts, Daniel and Bonnie Hoover. Thanks so much for being with us. We have a treat for you today as we talk with some very special people. In light of what's going on in the world with the recent tragic and senseless murder of George Floyd and the racial tension that's so prevalent, we want to have a very candid conversation with some friends of ours today who have a different perspective than we do. Since this is a marriage podcast, we wanted to sit down with a married couple who is willing to share their heart and their story with us. And they're an interracial, or as some might say, a cross-cultural couple, and they are the parents of four kids. Four very pretty kids, too. Yeah, yes, yes. And they have conversations going on in their home that probably most of us are not having right now. So, Yep, we want to welcome Sterling and Missy Brown. Hello. Thanks for being with us, the guys. Hello. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a little bio information on you guys. So Sterling is the director of character development at KSU, and that's not Kansas State University. That's, that's right. Kennesaw, Kennesaw State, State, the KSU uh, school near where we live. He was a four-year starter, two-time All-American wide receiver, All-Conference. Co- all selection wide receiver at the University of Richmond and you also played baseball there for a year. I did, yes sir. Mm-hmm. And the uh what's the uh mascot for Richmond? We're the spiders. Spiders. <laughs> That's intimidating. Yes, it is. It's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Most Everyone's people are scared, scared of spiders. spiders. Yeah. That's yeah. true. <laughs> like the Grand A long legs or the uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just kidding. <laughs> so for the last twenty five years, uh Sterling has been mentoring and developing leaders in that world of athletics. And uh, you are an assistant director of strength and conditioning at Florida State. Mm-hmm. I could yes, use sir. a little bit of that. Uh, overseas missionary, campus minister, pastor, even a chaplain for a hockey team. Yeah, NHL team, the Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when they were here. Did you know anything about hockey? No. no. In fact, uh, yeah, most of the guys were, you know, Eastern European, Canadian, missing teeth, the whole eh? nine yards, eh? and then me. Eh? Just had to know Jesus. Eh? <laughs> That's right. So, Missy, in your own right, man, yep. I mean, you play college softball at Florida State and um, two-time All-American. That's a pretty big deal. And then big even deal. played professionally. So, you got to elaborate. I didn't know they had professional softball. They do, yeah. We um, were a part of kind of the first uh, opening league that they've started, and they actually still currently have professional softball. So the team at the time was actually in Atlanta. Um, it it's since moved, but um, they have teams, yeah, all over. Wow. Uh, all over. I think they have seven currently. So, yeah, it's great. It's a growing wow. sport. And they and you guys have four children, Jaya, Jaden, yep. Maya, Levi, and Destiny. Yep. And wow. in that order. So what are their ages? 20, 18, 16, and 13. Wow. Y'all are busy. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are busy yeah. people. Yeah. Which, is, which is more stressful the, when they were all four little or now when they're all four teenagers? I think so. teenagers are harder. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're, you seem busier when they're little. Yeah. But I think teenagers is more stressful. And then, uh, you know, of course, just the dynamics of where the world is has been the last mm. several years. You got the internet, smartphones, yeah. and other dynamics uh, that, you know, really our parents couldn't couldn't really contribute much intel on yeah. how to parent kids with smartphones. You know? That's true. Yeah. But, I think uh, it's different challenges in each season. You know, mm-hmm. I always say, you know, toddlers, little guys are 
busy bodies and they mm. get older and you get busy schedules. So, yes, you know, and then, like you said, the complexities of everything, you know, it's more trying to learn how do you parent in this day and age with technology. I think that is definitely an added component into teenagers that mm. is new. Mm. All right. So take us through real quick. How'd you guys meet? So uh, I came down to Florida State in 1996 to be a, a strength, and strength and conditioning coach. And um, my first year there was Missy's final year of competing playing softball. So I was actually her strength coach. Yeah. So for, her, for the softball team, uh, I was overseeing training for a bunch of our women's teams. And, um, and so that's actually where we first met. But... Yeah, and so we, um, I came to the Lord the year previously through a major accident, so I actually mm -hmm. wasn't able to do a lot of strength and conditioning mm -hmm. and um, those kind of dynamics due to, to injuries, so we actually got to know each other a little bit more at our athletic ministry that we were a part of down there, and um, but didn't know him well, I just respected him, I love that looking back I got to see him and know him mm. for his character and mm -hmm. his heart for God. And it was a time where I was young in my faith. So just learning, um, you know, just to have good godly friendships and relationships and to see people to really pursuing the Lord um, mm -hmm. and not just pursuing each other. So it was a really neat season in my life. And then I did go away to play um, up here in Atlanta. So we, I'd written, I missed all my friends. This was right before <laughs> cell phones. That sounds so old, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, said, oh we my said the same thing. You guys, that's so terrible. I but know. so I wrote postcards because it, it was a time in my life that. The thing where you put a stamp on, you yes. mail it to your oh, friends. Oh, you Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I went from a real supportive environment of believers, but still being a relatively new believer and to be, thrown into that world was a, a challenge. And so I was missing everyone. So I sent every, I mean, most of my good friends back home, like, hey, I'm missing you. How are you guys doing? Thinking about you kind of thing. So I'll let you take that from what you took that as since the, pre, you know, well, you tell your side of what happened from that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, well, I wanted to rewind a little bit because uh, she was just saying how, um, I, I, I was just reminded that we had like natural boundaries yeah. when we mm -hmm. met, right? Because I was her coach, I really mm -hmm. took seriously, like you don't cross the lines yeah, when yeah. you're in that kind of position. And and I was at a place in my life where I wasn't even really looking for a relationship. So mm -hmm. I was just diving in 100% into work, into the ministry, serving student athletes. And so it was really neat, like she said, that we actually became friends without mm -hmm. any kind of romantic interest at all. So yeah. we really got to see each other in, in one of the, like the purest, most mm -hmm. genuine way because we were just growing in the Lord mm -hmm. and not not like, hey, mm -hmm. you know, can I get your number kind mm -hmm. of a thing. So we had almost a year of that mm -hmm. before we really, uh, before this whole postcard thing she was talking <laughs> yeah. about. So she came, she came to Atlanta. We had a conversation just before she left to go to Atlanta. It was like the day before she was leaving for the summer and we really had a long talk at uh, a restaurant and um and that was when with a group of people so it was we with a group there. of people I, yeah. it was actually the team went to find mm -hmm. out if they were going to the ncaa mm -hmm. regionals and so they got denied mm -hmm. they didn't get accepted and so 
she was heartbroken. We were all kind of devastated. We had poured a lot into this year. And then the next day she was getting ready to leave. And in that conversation, she was talking about, you know, her connection to the church and how much mm -hmm. just the ministry had impacted her life. And, and it was really like the first time I was like, wow, you really do just love God. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and I knew she loved God, but it was like we hadn't really had heart to heart had talk one -to -one like that. Really. And then she left. And so I was like, I spent the next several weeks going like, wow, that was crazy, that conversation. What's going on with this girl? And then I got this random postcard out of nowhere. <laughs> and it was like, hey, missing you, thinking about I'm, you. I'm almost positive I did not lead with missing <laughs> you. Yeah. Well, I would know better than to say that. that to say. The important thing is that's what he heard. It's uh -huh. what he read. Exactly. Well, and also what I heard was, She's thinking about me. <laughs> and not all the other people that she right. sent the postcard to. Right. Exactly. Right. I was like, she sent me a postcard. special. <laughs> so I thought, she must really like me. So, uh, you know, she said something about, I, I don't know. But we got to talking about maybe coming to visit. So I took a couple of friends and we actually went to, I was, at, you know, we were in Tallahassee. So we went to Orlando to watch them play. And we got to hang out a little bit. And that was another one of those moments I was like, wow, she's, she's like really spiritual and she's like really cute and she's really athletic. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. So yeah. And then, um, actually she wound up, uh, coming back. She had finished her eligibility playing, right. But she still had, uh, to finish school. Mm -hmm. So she wound up coming back to FSU and had to finish that mm -hmm. next year. So it was really That's in convenient. that season. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, mm -hmm. now it's like a green Look what light. Look there. Yeah, a green right. light. Hey, what's yeah. your name? So, yeah, so we um, we kind of started dating right there in, uh, early in the fall. And, yeah. Very cool. Actually, How long before you pretty got quickly <laughs> from there? Because he had been praying. He had been praying through the summer talking the to our no. pastors. <laughs> and so he was, like, really considering it. And so I came back, and I think, we ended up, um, you know, his pastor like told him like, "Hey, you just need to ask her out." Like at this point, because he was like, "I'm just trying to die to this," and mm -hmm. you know, this thing keeps coming up, wanting to like be corrected. And he was like, "Ask her out." So he asked me out, and it was pretty quickly. It was like three and a half. The ongoing joke is like it was like a month. It was <laughs> less than a month. It was like three and a half weeks later, he um, proposed. And oh man, it was very that's great! Quick. It was very quick, and. Because we both just felt at peace, and we both mm -hmm. just were seeking God, and we were like, man, this is something that is bigger than ourselves. That's we right. had both come to the Lord mm -hmm. later, so we had had lots of bad relational paths mm -hmm. and done it the wrong way, and that's why we almost, you know, weren't, you know, we'd come off of a season of really mm -hmm. just trying to go, God, I want to learn how to walk this out in mm -hmm. relationships, and so it was just a unique time that I feel like we both had mm -hmm. had our hearts really opened to just seeking God and him bringing us together. Mm -hmm. And so we were engaged for about five and a half months from there. So it was about six months from when we got engaged to when we got married. Man, that's good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to dig in a little deeper. Yeah. But we're going to have some fun first. Okay. Fun. Here we go. All right. This is segment we call round. We're going to ask you guys some questions and you got two minutes to answer them. You ready? Ready. All right. Here we go. Bonnie, go. Who is the better cook in the family? Definitely me. Starling. Ah. What, what's your specialty? <laughs> Steak, grill, Steak. anything grilling. Mm. Okay. If I asked your children who was the fun parent and who was the tough one, what would they say? <laughs> me. Fun. <laughs> he's fun and tough. No. Oh, he's fun and tough? I don't know. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Two minutes, you picked. I'm the most fun. Um, <laughs> we're he's also, also very the most competitive. Tough. He's a, yes, we're very competitive. We oh. might try to lose two minutes. So but. this might start an argument. <laughs> yeah. So who does the yard work in your family? Well, that Sterling. would be me. Yeah. Sterling. Okay. Who's the introvert? Sterling, you're kind of taking over all. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Hogging. He's Sorry. winning. He's yeah. winning. <laughs> who's the introvert and who's the extrovert in oh, your relationship? for sure introvert. I win I see that. is hands down the introvert and I'm the extrovert. Yep. Mm. Okay, this one might be interesting. When you met, was it love at first sight or did it take a while? Well, for me, it was kind of love at first sight, and I think for Missy, it took a while. Took a while. Yeah. Took a while. Who made How? the Who made the first move? Missy. <laughs> Missy. You just lied on a podcast, <laughs> Sterling. Definitely okay, did. so you'll find out later. Yeah, she Sterling. She's the one who sent me the postcards. I sent. And, uh, I sent lots of friends letters. Mm, okay. It was not an yeah. initiation of any kind, but. <laughs> if you That's had awesome. one day to yourselves with no responsibilities or children with you, what would you do? Like together yep. to ourselves? Yep. Mm -hmm. Probably just lay around <laughs> and watch, watch shows and yes. movies. Yeah. yeah veg out? Just veg. Just veg. veg. What's your current binge watch? Eef. We are like the lone people who have not. We just moved, so we have not binged. We just uh, we watched the Shaq special yesterday. So the Shaq. <laughs> oh, that yeah, would she call oh, it she does. Yeah. yeah, Shaq yeah, life. She just powered that through Shaq life. That's and, as close uh, as it comes. Yeah, that's that's it. Do you have any ones you're watching? I just started the Innocence Files. Actually, yeah. I haven't oh. been able to give that up. But, that's uh, really good. Yeah, some powerful stuff. All right. Up. All right, that's our time. Right. Good job, guys. Good job. You did it. <laughs> All right, well, we're uh, we're back with Sterling and Missy. You guys did great on lightning around. around. Good Thank answers. You. Thanks. Good answers. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, we want to dive back in. So, uh, Sterling, you grew up in a biracial home. Yeah. Tell us a little bit. I'm guessing 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. You know, what was that like? What was it? What do you feel like it was like for your parents and for you? You know, I, I feel like my parents caught more, you know, heat. It just felt it more. I mean, I was born in 71. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, obviously, this is just a couple of years after the assassination of Dr. King, right. civil mm -hmm. rights movement. Um, and uh, they met, my two parents, my dad's black, my mom's white. They met in um, Sarasota, Florida. But uh, my mom actually had been previously married, had seven kids. Oh, wow. And then they got divorced, and then she met my dad. They had me. So I'm actually the only child wow. between my two parents. And so all 10 of us then moved uh, to right outside of New York City, uh, the other side of the George Washington Bridge. And so we grew up in that environment. Mm -hmm. So it was very diverse. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, I had friends of all different kinds mm -hmm. of colors and races. But uh, I remember, you know, early on when I was younger, I'd be out with uh, with uh, family members, siblings. Uh, I'd be out with my mom shopping. I mean, I remember to this day hearing women people ask my mom in the store, you know, if she was babysitting or if I was adopted mm -hmm. or other mm -hmm. things. And uh, you know, and then you grow up in an environment where you you know you're getting stopped by the police for random things, just walking around the neighborhood. You get you know pulled into different kinds of uh, issues, and so. Definitely was more challenging, um, you know, when I was younger. And then as I got older, um, I found sports to really be kind of a refuge. It was a place that I really thrived. I found a lot of acceptance and obviously lots of different people playing mm -hmm. sports. And so um, 
I think because of just the environment that I grew up in my own home, like, you know, you got white siblings and you know, feel different and you know that. So she was married to a white, yeah, a white mom. guy the first time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. he had previous, so both of his sets of siblings, he has all white siblings and then all black siblings on his dad's side. So they weren't married. He was the only child from the two of them. Yeah. My gotcha. dad had, um, had a son and, uh, and then got divorced and then his ex-wife had a daughter. So I grew up knowing oh. of these other two, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, one or two kind of siblings, but I really never met them. Mm. And, uh, and so it was just a, a really interesting mm. dynamic. But very diverse, you know. I mean, yeah. I grew up mm-hmm. listening. My two favorite albums, I've told people for years, uh, we had 12-inch vinyl albums. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was, I didn't have to go to the vintage store to find them. That's <laughs> right. You know, uh, my two favorite albums when I was really young was uh, Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight, mm-hmm. and right. uh, Kiss Alive 2, live from Los Angeles. I mean, they got <laughs> that a is... lot of airtime. <laughs> that's, that's but that's kind of what my life was like. You know, these yeah. two worlds all mm. kind of happening at the same time. Yeah. Wow. And Missy, where did you grow up? I grew up in all white Colorado, small town. Mm. I mean, I think we had, honestly, I can remember like two or three um, any people of color between mm. black, Hispanic, Asian, um, I think K through 12. So mm. sports for me was for the first time kind of being able to interact with people that were mm. different. And in Colorado, the, you know, the time it wasn't, I'll say this, I had my eyes open to the severity of racism coming mm. to the South for the yeah. first time going mm. from Colorado to Tallahassee. I mean, it mm-hmm. felt like stepping back in time. So I'm like, I've never heard people talk about this. I've mm-hmm. never seen this level of tension. Um, it was a whole new dynamic mm-hmm. because even though it was kind of an all white area there, you just wouldn't hear anything. Yeah. So it was, uh, like he said, sports for me brought me into a more diverse area just because it would pull from people around our state. Mm-hmm. We did have some pockets of minorities within the area, but it just was definitely that it was, just then like really in high school getting to even have friends that were black Mm -hmm. so going to college somewhere that it was so diverse um Mm -hmm. it was a great opportunity Mm -hmm. to grow to learn and to just experience you know some of the the cultural dynamics that that Mm -hmm. existed good and bad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when you guys met dated for that week (laughs) 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 and talked about getting married what was some of the conversations you had with your family you know I mean you coming coming from a a biracial family your parents were probably you know obviously more open to it because that was their marriage yeah but what about you Missy what were some of the conversations you guys had um yeah it was honestly it was really eye-opening because I had not heard my family ever have any negative Mm -hmm. racial interactions However, you know, like as we see in this day and age, I think there can be things below the surface that just certain Mm -hmm. events just pull open the heart Mm -hmm. and just go, wow, there's a little bit more going under the surface. Mm -hmm. And so it was a huge issue. It was lots of tension, Um, you know, just questions, concerns, concerns about our kids. I mean, I remember his dad was one of the toughest talks I had because he was like, are you ready for the, you know, like, do you know what you're getting into? Mm -hmm. Like. He knew, you know, he knew firsthand, like, Mm -hmm. are are you prepared to deal with kind of the, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. just the different things that will come against you, people opposing this and not liking this. And so it was really a challenge, not only 
uh, honestly, it was two things at play. We, we were serving God for the first time in a relationship like that. So we chose to walk it out and really honor um, God by just doing it in purity. We mm-hmm. decided we wouldn't kiss until our, you know, till we got married at the altar. So okay. there were some things that for our families that weren't believers, it just all felt really uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. just that alone, you know, they're like, what? You're not having sex. This isn't who we thought. It yeah. was just mm-hmm. all these, like, the whole thing just, I think, wasn't kind of how they envisioned mm-hmm. it to be. So it was it was one of our rougher patches for sure because um, there were just decisions and judgments made before really ever getting to know him. And so it's mm-hmm. been really amazing to watch you know, over this window of time, you know, I mean, my dad loves Sterling like a son, like they are Mm -hmm. so close. Our kids are also close. Like God has done an incredible work, but it didn't Mm -hmm. start there. And it was Mm -hmm. really a lot of tears, a lot of conversations I had never had with my family. And we really had to wrestle, like, do we stick with this or not? And ultimately we felt like we had to, you know, just obey God and Mm. not please people. And Mm -hmm. this is who God had for us. I mean, we had a lot of opposition from Christians. Like I didn't even know that was a thing that Mm. like just growing up again, I'm like, I've seen interracial couples, but I didn't understand that like Christians, there are people who think like that's just biblically wrong. I mean, some Mm. of our strongest opposition, Mm. even there in Tallahassee were from Christians. So that was surreal to process just that. Um, but it was definitely a tough time of having to really go, I'm, I'm saying yes to God. And that mm-hmm. means saying no to pleasing a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. And when you've lived a life, you know, for me, grown up, you know, successful things had all kind of been like, oh, you just naturally kind of doing all the things that people are like, yes, we're excited. We're proud. This is awesome. And it was just one of the hardest times of being like, man, this is not like, this was one of the first times in my life I had to deal with you know, this is not the way people saw it going for me mm-hmm. and just process their, um, you know, preconceived ideas without really even knowing him. And mm-hmm. that was the hardest part. It wasn't even the racial stuff of going, you're worried about things that, you know, I, I felt like this was obviously the best relationship I'd ever had, mm-hmm. the, the best person I could spend my life with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just not, you know, having had the chance to really even get to know him before having concerns was hard. Yeah. Wow. So you said that your dad, your dad shared with you, you know, some of the struggles and asked you kind of, kind of challenged you. That's, that's a lot of wisdom and a good dad to, to do that, not to sweep it under the rug. Do you think at that age you took the severity of what he said and understood it at that time? Or did that take a time? You're talking about when we were uh, kind of coming together? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we need to rewind just a little bit because what you need to know is that uh, my dad was actually – uh, arrested when I was like 10 mm-hmm. and uh, went away for a while. And, um, mm-hmm. and then we really didn't have a relationship for, mm-hmm. uh, for several years. And so all through high school, uh, it was kind of just like me and mom. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we really didn't reconnect until college. And mm-hmm. so he had moved uh, down to Georgia and was kind of just trying to rebuild his life down there and um, reached out and and uh, we just kind of started reconnecting a little bit. Wow. And um, mm-hmm. he, you know, invited him to come to some games. He drove up from South Georgia, rural Waycross, you know, yeah. to Richmond, Virginia. That's down there. That is yeah. down there. It's <laughs> no easy way to get there, get here. Uh, but, um, and then towards the end of my college career, actually it was the weekend of my last, my final game, football game there in uh, college, 
God had really been dealing with me about just forgiveness. And mm. um, so we had a long talk. I had actually written a long letter to him that basically said, uh, you know, with all of the drama and all of the stuff and you going away and, and things that happened with mom and my siblings and other things that were really rough, um, I want you to know that I forgive you and be, and specifically because I've been forgiven wow. and because of how God's dealt with me mm. and, and the ugliness of my own sin and all of that, that I can't hold, you know, mistakes that you made maybe unknowingly, maybe knowingly, I don't know, but I, I'm not going to hold that against you. And, wow. and it really was a moment where we could just kind of reconcile. And from that point, we've wow. had more of a relationship since. And so, um, we're bringing you in for another podcast on that. <laughs> yes. forgiveness. We got a lot to whole, talk about with that, yeah, but, um, at any rate, uh, so when we talked, I, it, it kind of surprised me, like took, caught me off guard and really, reminded me of so much that mm. I saw going on and, and it was like, wait, yeah, like, mm. are we prepared for this? Mm-hmm. And so it was really kind of eye-opening in that way. And, and I really do appreciate that wisdom mm-hmm. and kind of helped prepare us for the road ahead because, I mean, I had, you know, well-meaning pastors and leaders in my life I remember sitting down and they said, hey, you know, you really want to honor God. You got to go and talk to her dad first and and talk to her family and submit it to him and ask kind of for her hand type mm-hmm. of a thing, you know. And I was like, what planet are you living on? Like that, <laughs> that is that is not going to happen. Mm. And so we, uh, we just had this conviction like we really feel like this is where God's leading us. And And so I said, you know, I want to be upfront with my intentions, how I want to treat her and how I respect her and value her. And we felt like even how we were going to walk that out with purity and Mm -hmm. relationships and the local church and other things was really going to be demonstrative of that. And, um, and it wasn't really received that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, but like she said earlier, you know, some of the same family members and people that were skeptical and early on would say, would say things, not horrible things, but just like you could know, you know, under the surface, like mm-hmm. they're really wrestling with how do they handle this? Um, it's like night and day. I mean, they're the most, they're, her whole family's the most supportive. Mm-hmm. I mean, loving, just generous, like being there. Like, like she said, it, it's like, I'm a son. Mm-hmm. Like they're my other parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom passed away, um, uh, early on in our marriage and uh you know it's like i got a mom now you know mm-hmm. and so it's just it really is it's been a supernatural thing to watch god uh, work through our relationship in that way and it was our engagement just just to finish up where our i'm sorry our rehearsal dinner that really was the turning of that because we did wrestle with do we go forward do we not how do we obey god and mm-hmm. you know like he'd written him letters and really tried to honor him and include him, but there just wasn't that like, you know, there was like, do we mm-hmm. pay for the wedding? Are we even going to go? You know, just so he, they ended up coming and at our rehearsal dinner, just in, encourage anyone who's wrestling with, you know, just how God will make the way that we shared a lot. Our friends shared a lot of just kind of honoring 
who we had been in their lives, just had a real special kind of intimate time of people just sharing what what we had meant in, in their context of the relationships. And he closed the night out and broke down crying and was like, I get this, I get this wow. now. And hearing so many people talk so well of mm-hmm. the man he was, how he's lived, who he is. It was like the night before our wedding. He was like, I get it. I bless. And everyone there knew it had been a lot of resistance. And it was just such a cool way of, you know, going into our wedding Mm -hmm. with him being like, now I see. Wow. Wow. What a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a great story. Yeah. So you had talked through all of these things and in your, in your mind, you're like, I think we're prepared for these things Mm -hmm. and these differences that might come about in our marriage, our relationship or or externally. Mm -hmm. What have been some of the most difficult challenges that you faced? I think just the judgments, honestly, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Again, even just being in the South, I mean, we know we don't do dates in these areas. We don't go there. I mean, it's just the, you know, and there's a part of of an age where like you can shield your kids, but I mean, just the sheer like looks that you'll get the glares, the just, you know, preconceived ideas on why your relationship even came together. And just, you know, you kind of have to have a lot of, I know somebody is going to look at me differently, you know, and that's, just a travesty, you know, because I'm so much better because of who he is in my life and our family, but you just don't have the time to win people over a lot. And, and so that's not just 20 years ago. That's no, today. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously more areas that are more diverse. I mean, and, you know, this, all that's going on this year, it's been a just kind of, I don't think racism has just come up. I just think things are being revealed. So mm. all those things have been under the surface, just haven't yeah. been as vocal, but people have had those mindsets and those judgments and those, you know, distaste. I mean, they just, you know, it's, it's hard to go in a room somewhere or a restaurant where you might not know anyone there and they just, you can feel the, like mm. you are, you hate us, you know, mm. like you just flat out, we are making you so angry right now, you know? Mm. And, and I think that's the biggest challenge is that you don't have the opportunity of, you know, you're not even doing anything, you know, yeah. it's just like, just for being who you are, you're getting judged and, you know, disapproved without anything. And so I think that's dealing with that personally. And then as your kids get older, you know, just knowing that they'll feel that and just talking through that. And, um, you know, we've always seen it as an opportunity to help break people's Mm -hmm. mindsets and um, tear down walls. And we've tried really to navigate dynamics, you know, have lots of diverse relationships, you know, with the black community and white community and just, you know, hopefully get to be, people who walk out being a bridge to others. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the hardest when you know there's no change. You know, like, mm-hmm. I won't know you, you won't know us, and you hate, you know, like, you are literally, like, we are making you physically sick right now, oh and gosh. there's nothing you can do. You know, it's just like, yeah. sorry, that's yeah, that's where well, you are. How, okay, so you got, you experience those things, and that's got to do something to your heart. How do you combat not becoming yourself bitter towards that how do you deal with your own hearts and that when you're walking in a situation where you're constantly feeling judged well you know i think um it it goes back part of why i even shared that little bit about my dad like we've gone through so many uh different things in our lives where again the spotlight is shining directly on my own heart right Mm -hmm. and and i feel like god's going are you going to forgive? How are you going to, to respond? And, um, and so having, 
you know, experiences like growing up in a, in a, in a very challenging environment and then having that kind of conversation with my dad, one of the closest people, you know, to me, um, it, it, in a sense, it almost makes it easier because mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you don't know me, so I'm really not that worried. You know, mm -hmm. um, I know who I am. I know who we're trying to be mm -hmm. and I know how I want to carry myself in the world. And, uh, I'm not, I, I'm not really, uh, interested in letting anyone else disrupt that. And so I feel like part of why we're here on this earth is to help find people that are really broken, really distant, far from God and kind of bring them along a little mm -hmm. bit. And, and so you're going to get stuff with that, you know, you're going to get baggage, you're going to get, uh, hurt and other mm -hmm. things. And so, um, I think for me, just really taking to heart Jesus's message about mm -hmm. forgiveness, uh, you know, if you don't forgive your mm -hmm. heavenly father won't mm -hmm. forgive you. And I, I remember as a young, younger man going, gosh, are, are you serious? Like <laughs> I want to be forgiven, you mm -hmm. know? And so just trying to carry myself that way. I know, um, my, uh, I was talking to my dad actually this, uh, last week after with all of the stuff that's going mm -hmm. on and, you know, just want to call and check in, you know, he's down in, like I said, rural Georgia. Um, you know, what's, what's life like down there for you? And I know it's like a time warp in some places it around is. this country. Mm -hmm. You're like, did I just step back in time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, you know, we're doing good. He's gotten married, and, and him and his wife are hanging out down there. And he he just laughs. He, he said, uh, I've got a racist neighbor, yeah, and we've spent some time together, and I've gone over there. We've hung <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, to his credit, that's, one, that's yeah. for sure one thing that I've mm -hmm. always respected about my mm -hmm. dad is he really modeled that, that mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to harbor any mm -hmm. grudges I, I, as a – as a black man in America, an entrepreneur, a business owner, someone who's trying to make a way for other people, he's always really tried to reach out and go, wow. hey, I'm going to love you just for you. And so we kind of chuckled about that. He, he said his racist neighbor told him, you know, Bob, you've uh, – <laughs> You've changed some things about my uh, my thinking, and I was like, "That's like heroic, wow, like yes. wow, wow, yeah." You know, that's but uh, but it is a win. But mm -hmm. you know, just again, growing up mm -hmm. in an environment that just watched where you see that. I remember I got in a, a fight with a kid when I was in sixth grade, um, and because he he was like uh, he was like white blonde hair, you know, sort of Aryan nation type mm -hmm. of a kid, hard rock. Um, he probably listened to that Kiss album. He yeah. did. He, but he only listened to the Kiss album. That's the thing. And so, um, but what's crazy is we became friends. Mm. And even when we became friends, um, one day he uh, he called me a name and I punched him. And a fight broke out. You know, it was elementary school. It was like, fight, 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 circle. We got pulled out and sent home. And I went home and, uh, you know, this is when my dad was still at home. And uh, And he asked me, you know, what happened? And I said, well, Charlie called me a name, and I hit him. And he's like, oh, man, that's tough. He said, what would he call you? And I looked at my dad. I said, well, he called me a black man. <laughs> <laughs> you can laugh, Bonnie. It's okay. My dad was like, um, you do know that. <laughs> I was waiting. I thought when you said black man that that was code for he called you the N-word. No, he, he literally called, just he called literally you a black man. He literally called me a black man. I punched him. <laughs> And so it was just like, I went, oh, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Poor <and> it, kid. 
<laughs> Did you apologize later? Well, you know, like I said, we were just friends. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you watch football yeah, guys yeah, now yeah. have a knockdown drag out fight right. practice and then they go have dinner together. I mean, but, yeah. but again, all that to say, it's like, you know, you wrestle through different, mm-hmm. different things and you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm just, I know I don't want to yeah. project anything. So yeah. yeah. Is well, your dad the- a believer now? Now he is. Wow. Yeah. And it's, so it's what a testimony of God's grace and how God can change a heart that mm-hmm. your dad has grace on his racist neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that guy needs to see Jesus. That's exactly right. Wow. Yeah. Well, and the natural response for any of us in when we feel hated mm-hmm. is to hate back, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's not Jesus way. And that's, it's counterintuitive right. to love people who you feel hated by. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And when you, you send your kids to school, even when I send my children to school and they come back and they've been picked on for, I'm like, um, I want to get that kid. You know, it's yeah. not natural to love back mm-hmm. and to teach them to love back. It's mm-hmm. hard. So how do you, what kind of conversations do you have with your children? Well, I think a lot of it, marriage actually is such a great picture. I think for even just reconciliation with racial conflict, because it boils down to just the, self-centered you know like the i'm better than you know Mm -hmm. at the end of the day racism and you know as i see it is somebody thinking they're better than others Mm -hmm. and how much you have to die daily to that even in your marriage of like i have Mm -hmm. to die to myself i have to love another as myself i have to you know how do i walk this out um when it hurts when it feels good all of you know just understanding you know seeking first to to understand and then be understood i mean how many people i just through all this i keep thinking about one of the best pieces of marriage advice that i've heard in my life is like do you want to be right or make it better Mm. and i just keep on thinking that in context Mm. of racial stuff of going like do you want to make this better do you want to be right because if Mm. you're stuck like here's why they shouldn't riot and just i want to be right 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 and not going okay let me understand let me how what's going to make it better Mm -hmm. people are hurting let me try and focus on first understanding Mm -hmm. why are you hurting again Mm -hmm. it's not weird for any black person to think i wouldn't go to this part of the town or the state or i mean we were Mm -hmm. talking yesterday about him traveling for doing ministry stuff with one white guy and two black guys talking about, I won't go to the bathroom at that gas station. And the white guy was like, what? And it was just like revolutionary. And he's like, yeah, you just know. There are things that when this has been your experience, mm. yep. you just know, I will never know what that's like. We don't I, have that I have, point. Yeah, I have yeah. seen racism, but I will never have the experience of growing up black in America. And right. those things that are just, it's not like a one moment of learning. It's an ongoing, you know, mm-hmm. just viewpoint and so I think so much of what's going on now is trying to elevate and expand viewpoints from just what you think is right to actually trying to listen mm-hmm. and understand and 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 I think a lot of pe- white people of just even some of the shows and things of like listen uh, listen to the history like listen to some of these things to just try and understand mm-hmm. how you would feel mm-hmm. like even if you don't agree with stuff can you understand why there's hurt do you understand why it feels like there's oppression and injustice and and just trying to take that posture of mm-hmm. Jesus came alongside, you know, and mm-hmm. said he desired mercy over judgment. And I just think so many times, especially in white America, it's just like we've placed, you know, like we are the, you know, kind of highest race and we mm-hmm. put ourselves in a judgment position, mm-hmm. you know, like it's our position to be the judge of right and wrong and how things can be, mm-hmm. you know, versus really mercy and looking at mm-hmm. what Jesus did to, to walk alongside people, to be that ally, to go, 
I want to win you over by helping you to know, you know, like the woman at the well of like, you're known, you're known everywhere yeah. you've been, everywhere that's heard, like just that sense of being known and having mm -hmm. somebody care enough to want to know wins not only a person over it wins whole communities over you know mm. in that context and and so i just think how important listening is and i know that one of the things we've loved about as much as it's been challenging to have our family here at times i think it's been one of the greatest things because they naturally have had relationships you know diversity is they've had that in their schools they've had that in their sports teams they've had that built into you know kind of their own context and environment so they've gotten to see the difference of mm -hmm. you know there's good and bad in everything you know there's good and bad white people good and bad black people good and bad you know like how are we all good and bad in our heart you know like how do we pull you know out from our own heart and start with us you know mm -hmm. just that's where mm -hmm. i think we've tried to start of like how do we love, you know, mm. and trying to have, I need to grow more in love. I want to learn how to love my neighbor and they're the closest ones to me. And so just trying to constantly elevate love and mercy and, and, you know, connecting with people and forgiveness and reconciling and just mm -hmm. to be able to have them in environments where they have as many, you know, they, they are growing up in a diverse atmosphere, but also helping them to understand you can make the problem you know, be a solution to the problems that you see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our, we, we had a talk with our son this week and he, you know, a great message. And, um, actually was listening to one of pastor Mike and the coaches and he's like, you know, love is the way, like that's mm -hmm. how we win people over. And they see it on both sides. You know, it's like, you're not black enough. You're not white enough. You're not mm -hmm. this, you're not that. And, and at the same time, they're like, what, what's the answer? You know, mm -hmm. like I have to be who I am, but what can God do through me? And it's love, you know, and that love, um, wins people over and melts the hardest of hearts mm -hmm. as we've experienced personally and just trying to elevate that as a goal in our own lives and for our family. With all the things that have been going on recently, have you felt with your children, have they felt tugged into directions or how have they processed all that's going on or how have you as a family processed? Yeah. You know, I think there's so much, um, in the world today, like, with where our conversation is going, I feel like there's so much pressure to have a binary response. Mm -hmm. You're on or off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're black or white. Which side are you on? Mm -hmm. You know? And and I think, you know, what Missy is saying is we've now watched them over years in school in different settings, uh, athletics and other things, not only have a diversity of friends, just... Um, people over, hanging out, eating together, but also watch them go through their own challenges where, I mean, they're told, like, like you don't fit in this group mm -hmm. because you're either too black or you're too light-skinned. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, yeah. and so, again, having conversations like that where they're realizing it's not, you know, coincidentally, just black or white like that. Mm -hmm. And so we're having conversations with them to, to really look at how, how do we respond? How do we love people? How do we, how do we consider where people are coming from and what is some of that pain and mm -hmm. what can we begin to do, you know, with our limited influence, uh, steps that we can take to, to try to model some things and be more proactive mm -hmm. to be intentional and careful about things you're posting or putting out there that you're agreeing with just because people are going to want to take that and run with it. But um, 
but we've tried to sit down and, and say, all right, let's 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 just talk. And, you know, teenagers that don't always want to have the deepest of conversations. <laughs> like, no, we're going to turn that off. We're going to all sit down. We're going to talk about this. This What's is going important. On? This yeah. is That's right. Family meeting. Right. Yeah. Family meeting. We're going to talk about race in America. You know, and it's just like, oh, Yay. my gosh, Dad, really? Come on. So, but, you know, it's like you got to have some of those moments. And, and, and for us, we're just trying to encourage for them, like, we just want to open the door. We want you to know mm-hmm. that we can talk about this stuff. We had some times to just share with them, like, what she's already shared on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, this has been some of our experience. So you know, like, we're behind you, but we want to see you mm-hmm. really um, taking the uniqueness of who you are and just having a positive impact on the world in some kind of way. So, yeah. Well, and we've even yeah. through all over the last few weeks had conversations here that we've never had before because I believe that, I mean, we've, our children attend public school and they have friends of mm-hmm. all, you know, it's very mm-hmm. diverse and, yeah. and, and I believe that they have grown up truly colorblind. Mm-hmm. And so they've been shocked. And we didn't. Mm-hmm. We Not, grew up in the South. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and have been, overcome and and free from a lot of that Mm -hmm. years ago and um and i had and i told uh someone this the other day um i had reconciled it in my heart that that was wrong Mm -hmm. and um but i had never reconciled it outwardly to my brother Mm -hmm. you know to a black man and i was and for some reason i feel like and and maybe you feel this way or feel differently. I feel like this most recent um, instance has has had a different, Mm -hmm. it just feels different. It feels like conversations are happening now. Why? I don't know, because there's been tragic stuff that's happened in the past, as tragic. Um, But for me, it sat differently. Mm -hmm. And and I needed to reconcile that to Mm-hmm. to my black brothers that I apologize. I've never had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and to go along with what you're saying, Bonnie, we had always prided ourselves in the fact that, hey, you know, our kids don't see color. Mm-hmm. And and I think the thing that, that... What was hard, what we realized through this is, okay, we need to enough. love everybody the same, but they need to understand that there are challenges that your black friends face that, that you're color. not chasing, yes. that you're not yeah. facing yeah. every day. And to help them have compassion and to see that side of it that... Yeah. We had never thought about presenting because I guess we're sheltering them in some ways. And mm-hmm. they were really shocked. And yeah. and that's our fault that we have not taught that difference. But um, but because they love everybody the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, they're 8 and 10 and you in some ways want to keep the world all happy and pretty yeah. for them as long as you can. But they're different conversations we've been having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. That's good. You yeah. know, um, I don't by any stretch um, – don't mean to like correct anyone. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not doing that. But um, I've heard for years, you know, this idea of like, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. And, and I think two things, one thing uh, that I want to say to why is this different? Uh, chief Wayne Dennard, who is a phenomenal man, loves the Lord, and mm-hmm. he's the chief of Ackworth Police. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said to me in a, in a community gathering just a few days ago, he said, you know, Sterling, one thing about uh, that is different about this particular thing that happened, this this horrific uh, murder that happened, like in full view of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's different is that for the f- probably the first time that he can remember, literally 
everyone agrees this is wrong. Yeah, you're right. Every, mm -hmm. He said, I have not talked to one police officer, any department, anywhere around the country yeah. that the law enforcement officers don't say that is wrong. Yeah, you're right. And then the communities, the black community, certainly the white community, like are all collectively saying mm -hmm. that is inhumane. Like that mm -hmm. is completely irresponsible. Mm -hmm. And so I think that gives us sort of some sense of agreement. Mm -hmm. um, but I think to the idea of being colorblind, I, you know, I used to say, um, I, I just, my brothers, my uh, white brothers, literally like my five brothers and mm -hmm. two sisters, <laughs> almost all of them are colorblind, like physically, <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, they can't yeah. see like reds and the blues, shades. Wow. the uh -huh. shades, right? And, uh, and so they need help at times. They're like, mm -hmm. hey, well, what is this? Like, help me understand this, right? Mm. Because what you realize is like colorblindness is actually like, mm -hmm. uh, it's a deformity. Like it's, it's a deficit. It's a deficit. That's mm -hmm. the word, right? Mm -hmm. it, it hinders you. And mm -hmm. so to me, it's like being able to recognize color. Mm -hmm. and, and Bonnie, to your point, it's when I see that, it actually gives you the opportunity to validate Mm -hmm. someone else's experience because I totally see that you're different than me, mm -hmm. then it actually gives me an opportunity to go help me understand you mm -hmm. because your experience hasn't been my experience. Right. If we don't see color, then it's easy to assume, well, we all have the same experience. Like I grew up, like Missy was saying, like, Absolutely. I don't know what it's like to stop on the side of the road and have to go to the restroom and actually be concerned. Like mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't right. even get out of the car here. And so, in fact, I think this is an opportunity to say, yes, people have had vastly different experiences. Mm -hmm. I was just watching a 30 for 30, ESPN 30 for 30 about Bruce Lee. You told her, mm -hmm. you need to watch that. They are highlighting some of the struggle that Asian Americans have gone, mm -hmm. gone wow. through in the 50s and 60s. And they wow. put it up there. And it was like so eye-opening for me to go, man, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, again, I just think that that part of what is amazing about this and how George Floyd is changing the world is that it's 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 uh, putting us all in this sense of collective sense of agreement and all giving us a, the, mm -hmm. a new ability to hear, to listen, to recognize, mm -hmm. and go, yeah, your your experience has been different. Tell yeah. me about that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and that we're all better for it. I think that's because that's how I grew up. Like colorblind we almost yeah. in white culture like that's a good that's a thing we want to attain but like you said it really actually robs mm -hmm. us of seeing the yep. full beauty of creation right. and so i think that's really especially as believers and people that want to just grow our families and move mm -hmm. the narrative not only for now but for our children you know it's it's being able to go now the world is better with mm -hmm. our differences mm -hmm. with with the colors with the experiences yeah. even within the black culture of going how many different people like that's not binary just mm -hmm. in the black culture. Like that's the black experience can be different for so many people. And that mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be, Hey, you have to walk, talk and act like this, you know, to be the, it's just understanding. It's so much more complex. And that complexity, like we look in nature, like actually brings beauty when you see the, the multitude coming together. And I guess mm -hmm. my encouragement even is someone that it's hard. It's hard to go through stuff like this. It's disheartening, you know, part of you because you do want to shelter. I mean, our kids are older and I still am like, just don't yeah. want them having to like see yeah. the ugly side of stuff. And right. yet 
I, you know, we were talking about how much the whole Me Too movement, movement having three yeah. girls, I'm like, man, there's not a lack of perversion now. But somehow, in all those talks, through a few people and through lots of discussion, it felt like as a society, stuff became unacceptable that was previously acceptable. And I'm glad yeah. Yeah. having three daughters yep. that I feel like their future workplaces mm -hmm. are going to be different. They're, they're, yeah. It is going to play out at some level, mm -hmm. at a lower level. And, and, I am so thankful for this, that it is an opportunity, I think, as a white culture to understand like, oh, we have, we haven't, you know, we haven't understood or haven't tried mm -hmm. to understand more. Or like you said, maybe internally understood, but haven't walked that out and going, hey, I've just pursued relationships. I mean, my life is so much better, not just because mm -hmm. of this man, but all the relationships mm -hmm. I have with different, you know, that, that I have so many different types of friends and they have so many different backgrounds and they've each made me who I am. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't be who I am without just, you know, the people in my life, but specifically black people in my life that have made mm -hmm. my life so much better that have helped me to grow, that have added color into my own life. Mm -hmm. And I guess I just feel like that's my hope for all of us going through what can be kind of rough. And, you know, you know that even a marriage sometimes it's like, oh, those times that are roughest, the same time is really fertile, fertile ground mm -hmm. for growth and for future things. And that's I think good. that's kind of our hope of going like, man, all this literal crap is getting stirred up in a good way would you please use this to to cultivate and to sow seeds in our own lives of growth and for our, for our kids and future generations that mm -hmm. you know that the story is more you know told and and moves the ball down the court and then god's heart mm -hmm. for us of of just on earth as it is in heaven because wow. if if the tribes and the nations and you know he says he sets eternity in our hearts that's for not just even believers, that's everyone. That's so there's right. something there that resonates. And I just go, man, if it, there's tribes and nations and all that in heaven, that means that's in everyone's heart. So even if people aren't at a place, maybe even with their faith, there is something in them that's set for mm -hmm. those things that I just feel like, man, this is an opportunity for God to tug at our heart and to bring beauty out of what's been very painful, very hard, and lots of ashes of destruction and history hidden and just all the different things that are even right now really really hard mm -hmm. for not just black people but everyone I mean, we're watching shows with our kids we're diving into these things and it's hard it's mm -hmm. hard for us to face let alone how do you process your kids but that's just our hope of going like god would you work beauty out of this like mm -hmm. only you can to cultivate a future you know yeah. world that's more like mm -hmm. heaven yeah that's, that's going to be a glorious day yeah <laughs> Amen. And that's why I asked her to marry me. <laughs> She's <laughs> good, awesome. <laughs> good move, man. Good move. Well, you know, Romans 12, 2 says, as, tells us as believers, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, you know, the pattern of this world right now says to ignore, to hate, mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, the whole, you know, like I said, the thing that we've been the most convicted over the past couple of weeks was the thing that we thought we were doing well, which was, man, we see everybody is, mm -hmm. is, is this. And no, yeah. we need to see color. We need to love color. We need yeah. to see those differences. Yeah. And, um, and the pattern in this world says to ignore and hate what's different from you or yeah. just kind of don't bring it up. Yeah. But we're transformed when we walk according to God's truth. And mm -hmm. his truth tells us. In that same chapter of Romans, that love must be sincere and hate what is evil and mm -hmm. cling to what is good. Yeah. And so, yeah. Clinging to what's good means that we're willing to sit down and have hard conversation mm -hmm. with someone who yeah. might be different from us and yeah. that we listen with our hearts open and we yeah. learn 
And then we hate the things that God shows us as evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that means we and not just hate it, but stand up for the injustice when we see it. And yeah. we teach our children to yeah. love people and to, to stand up for what's right. Yeah. And it means we're not conforming to the pattern of the world. Instead, yeah. we're just sincerely loving people the way Jesus does. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, thank y'all so much yeah. for being on the thank podcast you. today. I've awesome. I've learned a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm going to walk away a better man. Mm-hmm. And um, and I hope if you're listening today that you've done the same thing. I hope you've been challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you've been inspired. And uh, and man, let's don't conform to the pattern of this world, and let's share the love of Jesus and change it. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening today, and we'll hope you join us again next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, then head on over to Facebook and Instagram and give us a follow. Have a great week.